Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh my goodness, I have so many things to talk about. Robbie Yopes, author, speaker here, drill sergeant of life, also Beatrice Bruno here. Hi guys. Hello, good hello, morning. hello. I have a lot to say because I'm back from um, vacation. And I call it vacation, but really it's visiting family. And there's a couple of stories I want to get to. First of all, you found an Orphan Sisters reunited story, Robbie, for me that is so touching. And that I'm, I hope we have time to share. We've got to get to that good news. Secondly, I want to get to the coach who's um, asked not to pray. Oh, at football yes. games, oh, and wow. so we'll try to get to that. That's and good. then also, Dr. Royson writes books with Dr. Oz, Dr. Mehmet Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, they're co-authors, and he's about 70 and looks like he's about 45. Oh, wow. And he says, Angie, there are about 100 things you can do to be younger, and I do all 100 of them. Wow. And I right. believe that, and he's such a medical nerd. And jokingly, he told me recently <laughs> that he calls himself a medical nerd, and I said, how funny, I do too. <laughs> you know? And That's so, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I he it. is going to share with us why why he got so fascinated, how he got into this whole uh, health and l- longevity obsession. Okay. It has to do with three patients. So it's pretty detailed because he's given me a little snippet of it. But I think it's fascinating to find out how someone got their, their whole life took a turn for finding out how he can live longer, feel better, and have more energy and be healthier. It's fascinating to That's me. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's coming up next. And again, he's a medical nerd, but I think he's fascinating. I love him. He just, he, I get a kick out of him. He emails me. And the guy is so busy. He travels around, and he's on, you know, the CBS Evening News. He's on this show, that show. But every week he emails me with all the top research articles, medical research articles of the week, and asks me which ones I want to talk to him about. Can oh, he teach wonderful. us how to live to 150? I think I think he probably will. If you see okay. him, he does not look his age. Okay. Wow. But he, he tells me his wife more into it than he is. Wow. Lucky for him, huh? Imagine living (laughs) with somebody who eats Cheetos. No offense, Cheetos, but you're not that healthy, but very delicious. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, very delicious. Okay, let's start. um, Well, first of all, I want to go over a couple things with you guys. I just got back from seeing my nephew. And they pray. He 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 is not his faith does not match mine right now. His mom has raised him Jewish. Mm-hmm. And um but he respects my faith very much and he and I are very close. And he told me there's a Christian boy on his team that prays with the team that he really admires and he brings them all together and Levi really likes it that they pray together. Mm-hmm. And so um I was just visiting him, and it's not convenient sometimes to show people you love them. It wasn't convenient to go to L.A. right now because I just, um, my other job, we have new owners of our company, and I was like, hey, hey, nice to meet you. I'm going on vacation. Ooh. You know, and what are you going to do? But it, you know what? There are crystal ball events in life, and if I miss my um, my nephew's junior homecoming game in Los Angeles when I've told him I'm coming, mm-hmm. when he doesn't have a dad and my brother's never been in his life, mm-hmm. Um, really, never. I mean, you he know. looks like such a sweet kid. He's a tall drink of water. Yeah, he's but he six looks two, like a sweet kid. He's yeah. a gentle giant. So you know, it's not convenient sometimes to show people we love them. It sounds like your priorities are right on the money. I have to because Absolutely. you know, if I've gotten, I just have to put. 
but people you know, come before yeah John. i oh, have yeah. i have to and i've learned that over the years as well you know you're young you're in your 20s maybe you you know have to put the job first for a while but once you know you've got family commitments and things like that mm -hmm. i've learned that usually usually places of work don't put you first and i have to say this company and of course i'm on the air on crawford broadcasting but um, mike our general manager is extremely understanding of family things he's got Absolutely. four kids and they really I allow i me. met him several times yeah. and i think he is a outstanding person yes he is we're all very understanding of that here like if you've got a sick kid and you have to work from home mm -hmm. there's no problem whatsoever that's good. so um i want to just bring up this coach that's not allowed to pray mm. because i was struck by a couple of things coach kennedy works at a high school in washington and after the game he'd kneel at the 50 yard line after each game and then you're allowed to come and join him if you'd like to or if you mm -hmm. don't want to you don't have to if you're on the opposing team and you'd like to join him for prayer come on out it's up to you um, and someone complimented him on that and then that's where the problem started someone then brought it to the school board's attention that somehow this was illegal and in my um i know in my nephew's case with the student that prays with him the students are allowed to do that but then uh the liberty organization got involved and you'll hear an attorney say that it absolutely is legal for this um this coach to do it and i always wonder like they're not hurting anybody the game's over like if you don't like it it's like people say change the channel then leave the game i'm gonna ask a really dumb question sure is this in the united states yes <laughs> washington yeah I got it off thoughtfulwomen.org, one you know Christian website. So take a listen to uh, the coach Kennedy talking about it, and then the attorney. Wow! It, it started out by a compliment from somebody who actually witnessed what we were doing with uh, our team and the opposing team meeting on the 50, and uh, kind of having a moment of peace. And it all started from a compliment when somebody saw that to a principal who started questioning, "Are we in compliance with what the rules are?" All right. Uh, I want to put up on the screen what the school district is saying about this. What we are doing is what every state-funded agency and school district must do, abide by the laws that govern us. Like every public school district in the nation, our teaching and coaching staff is not allowed to include religious expression, including prayer, in talks with students while on duty for the district. So Mike Berry, attorney, they say um, we're just abiding by the law. Well, they're not abiding by the law, Martha. They're actually violating the law. And Liberty Institute is going to initiate legal proceedings this week to defend Coach Kennedy and his right. I mean, what the school district is saying is that there can be no visible religious expression by their employees. So that means a Jewish coach can't wear a yarmulke or a Muslim teacher can't wear a hijab. This is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What do you guys think? Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, they say he's endorsing religion. And you know what? He's... They're endorsing disrespect. They are. They're endorsing um, a sense of disunity. Yeah. They're endorsing a sense of you can't be yourself. That's right. You can't be an individual. You have to be a sheep that follows yeah. nothing. Yeah. And believe and me, when ridiculous. I sit in the stands at these games, the last time, not this time, but the last time that I went to one of Levi's games, and it's a school of 4,000, it's in Los Angeles, it's, it would be considered maybe a rough school, mm -hmm. you know, it's a public school in the heart of LA, and uh, there was such bad language used behind me the last time I was there. These girls were using a word that starts with the letter F like it was a punctuation yeah, mark yeah, or yeah. a comma. I mean, yeah. it was peppered in their language so much that my son, he just turned around and stared at them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just shocking. And so I, 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 
<laughs> it, that's that that's okay, but we can't pray on the field. You know what I mean? Like we need something to give the kids some hope. And I just don't see that it's harming anyone. I, I, it always bothers me when someone just like raises a big stink about someone that really is something that really isn't hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. He never asked the players to come pray with him. He never said a word. He just himself. did, it. and some go with him, some don't. You know, I, I think that we as a nation have come to a place where. We really need to think now. We need to think about where we are um, and what we can actually do in this day and time. That's just like the one kid, the football player, that um, he was told by the officials that he couldn't point his finger to the sky when he was in the end zone and made a touchdown. That's what he was told. And so he started praying about it. And his sister brought a note to him and said, don't worry about it. God's got this. And the next time he made a touchdown, I think it was 4,000 to 7,000 people that were in the stands stood up and pointed their finger to the sky, to God. Okay. Because, see, God's going to have his way. Yeah. Regardless of what people think, God's going to have his way. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I certainly was touched by that and just, you know, wow. interested since, you know, the, it happens at my nephew's school and how much it, it he likes it. Yeah, yeah. And he's not a kid. They don't pray at dinner time. They don't, they're not a prayer, praying family. He finds and, comfort in it yeah. because somebody is acknowledging God. Well, he also told me that, you know, he said, you know, we... <sighs> He doesn't feel a camaraderie with the boys oftentimes because there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of bad language. There's a lot of things he doesn't agree with. Mm-mm. And, you know, if you talk about an inner city school, mm-hmm. he's the only redhead in the whole school. So he kind of stands out, yeah. Yeah. you know, in terms of being like the guy with the red hair on yeah. the football team, the only one. Yeah. And so he feels like um, he doesn't have he doesn't have any friends. Bless but how do, let me explain. They like him. Mm-hmm. He has like they joke around and say hi in the hallways, mm-hmm. but he doesn't feel an affinity with them in terms of how he conducts his life. Mm-hmm. Sure. The, the mm-hmm. language and the right. behavior and the fighting. He's never yeah. been in a fight in his life as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. And so that's tough for him to find like fellowship in the midst of what he seems, you know, what is a little bit of a rough school. I told you right. last time I was there, they had a moment of silence for a kid killed in a drive-by shooting. So what, mm-hmm. really? I mean, it, w- wouldn't prayer be something that might offer these kids some Absolutely. form of hope or something? And by the way, Bill McCartney, when he was at CU, when I was at CU, he was the football coach for the guy that I did in college. And my boyfriend was one of the um, football he was a co-captain of the CU football team, and McCartney prayed with him all the time. Hmm. I mean, that was his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he started that big men's group that's so popular. Promise Keepers. Yeah, pro- yeah. thank you. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he started Promise Keepers, and so he was all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's uh, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. And uh, one of the reports I read on this was, like, they, uh, the district said that this poses a risk for federal um, litigation. Oh, poppycock. And that's, I mean, they're, they're covering their behinds because hmm. in our society, people sue over everything and, and yeah, they people do. love to sue over this. Uh, that's crazy. It makes it's, me tired. It's silly. It is. All right, let's talk about something that won't make us tired. So yes. um, if you recall, Robbie, you sent me this Orphan Sisters oh, I love uh, this story. Reunited. Uh-huh. And so this particular story um, has to do with um, two sisters and it was heartbreaking the way that it started. Uh, uh, one sister's a little bit older, and then one's just ba- basically a baby toddler. The father was um, abusive, so the mother took the little baby toddler, her daughter, and left. Mm. Her stepdaughter, she left behind, and the oh. father literally went out, left his, you know, he worked at, he ran a little store, went out with the six-year-old daughter, she was about that age, and committed suicide in front of her, in front, with 
ran in front of a train, is my understanding. Oh. So all of a sudden, this little girl is orphaned. But she knows that she has a stepmother, yeah. and she knows she has a half-sister. Oh. And so she ends up getting adopted um, from uh, it was South Korea, mm-hmm. right? And she comes here. Um, and all, her whole life, she's trying to find her sister. But she doesn't know a lot about her sister. And her little sister was so little, she doesn't even remember. But right. she did also know she had a sister. Well, she ended up also being up for adopt, given up for adoption. And she was adopted here in the States. Oh. So they both end up here in the States. And when you're hearing them now, you're not going to believe this. Oh. Both became nurses working at the same hospital. Get out Are of here. you kidding me so this is them talking about how they figured out that they were sisters i mean the, the chances of this are just unbelievable oh what caught my attention is when i asked holly what her last name was in korea and she said shin and i said oh my gosh that's also my last name too as well and then that's when we got to talking more and more about it and asking questions more about our background so when i found out more about her being orphanage um, being born in the same city where I was at, and just the fact that the timeline, because I came here in 76, she came here in 78, and that's just where I started. I just had this um, curiosity that I said, we need to do a DNA test. <laughs> and then a week and a half, all of a sudden, we got the, um, the DNA result. I was trembling. I was excited. I was static. I was like, I was telling my husband, like, I cannot find, I cannot believe I finally find my sister that I've been looking for her, you know, all this time. I knew back in my mind, I ha- she's somewhere out there, you know, and I never gave up on her. And when I, when I just, I mean, I just cried and cried and like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. This is a good moment, okay? Do this. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> All oh, the years I had to find her. So that's uh, Megan, the young one, and she's comforting her older sister who knew more, who saw yeah, more, yeah. who maybe suffered more. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and she really searched for her her whole life. And so in that particular little clip, you've got the, the older um, one being comforted by the younger one. Mm-hmm. But later you're going to hear the younger sister thanking the older sister for never giving up, for pursuing Aww. her all of these years. Here's a little more. I've had questions, constant questions in the back of my mind that do I have a sister, do I have a mom or dad? And then when that result came through, that was my closure. I was so happy to know that we got our answer for Holly and I, and it was just, it was just a great day. It was like one of the best days I've ever had. I have a very strong belief that God must be, like, what have I done? Did I do something good all this life, in my life? He must send me something miracle that he knows I was looking for her. I never thought she would be in a nursing professional either. I mean, I always like taking care of people, but I'm glad I joined in this field and said something else. The fact that Holly and I clicked so well before we did this, that I knew I was going to be good friends with her, no matter how this was going to turn out. Because we just got so many similarities that we have, you know. And I just find her such a special person. And just for to add this to it, it's just even made it even more special. That God did something special. I mean, it is a miracle that they both became nurses. They both came to the States. They were both adopted by American families and that they both went to the same hospital hospital in Florida. All right, here's the the last part where the younger one now, who really wasn't as sure that she, she wasn't as sure because she was so young, who she had in her family. And she's thanking Holly, the older one, for continuing the search. 
I just want to say thank you to you, Holly, for never, ever gave up looking for me. So thank you so much for that. So you gave me that closure that I've been looking for that, too, for all those years. So now that we have it to share I know. each other, okay? Yes. So thank you. You're you very welcome. That. I know I'm not going to give up. I would never give up. Mm. Uh-huh. That is so awesome. Mm. I mean, you know, they keep saying how big the world is, but the world is very small when you think about it. Sure. Okay, especially for something like this, because God can just cut down the distance and bring those two in the same hospital. Really, God? Really? (laughs) In the same hospital, in the same field? Really? Only God can do stuff like that. That's right. Wow. What did you think, Robbie, when you found it? You sent it to me right away. Oh, I cried. You know, it's just it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes, it is. And I, awesome. I would I would like us to do DNA tests. To see if we're related. Because I think the three of us may be related in some way. A lot of people told me way. I look a little bit like Beatrice, that we resemble yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. And with our glasses, Robbie, we do look a lot alike. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. So. I, feel, I feel close to you. Guys. Isn't that beautiful, though, that, That's you know, awesome. in the Christian faith that you become, you know, uh, like family with people? Yeah. It's such a neat thing, isn't it? And I do feel close to you all, even though I, I give know. Robbie grief a lot of all time. All the time. All the time. I know. A lot. A lot. Not you a, do, a but lot. You do, but you do that with siblings, too, you know. That's right. That's, yeah, absolutely. Well, I just think that the miracles that we underestimate sometimes what God can do. And this is, as um, Holly, the older sister, said, I must have done something good, and, you know, in my life to deserve this miracle that God was rewarding her with um, helping her to find her sister that she hadn't seen, you know, since she was, you know, basically about kindergarten-ish yeah. age, yeah. you know, and the, and the other sister, just a toddler. I, I don't know. It just totally touched my heart. It's amazing. That's awesome. I want to make sure that people can find you both. You're both speakers. We recently did a Christian women's conference. It was really wonderful. We're hoping to speak more together. We'd love to speech at, speak at uh, church conferences. So, Robbie, how did they find you? you robbie yobst.com that's i-o-b-s-t drill sergeant drill sergeant of life.com and i'm angie austin radio.com yay we all have our own websites Woo-hoo. look at us you go Woo. girls Woo. all right coming up next uh, dr oz and dr roizen uh, write a lot of health and longevity books together the you books y-o-u and uh, dr roizen is going to talk to us next uh, i talked to him once a week and he just cracks me up he reads 50 research articles every week about new research on how to live longer and feel better and he's going to tell us how he got so hooked on all of this health stuff No need to wait until Sunday to sing your favorite worship songs. Join in right here on 810KLVZ, where love lives. Hope starts with a meal at Denver Rescue Mission. Each year, the mission provides hundreds of thousands of meals to the hungry and homeless in our community. And each year, the number of hungry increases. You can help this Thanksgiving season by giving at denverrescuemission.org. By giving to the mission, you guarantee that someone in need gets a Thanksgiving meal this year given to them through the Denver Rescue Mission. Just $1.92 is all it takes to provide a warm and hearty meal for one hungry man, woman, or child. You would be surprised by how little it takes to make an impact. Such a small amount can restore hope and begin to change lives. You can also donate a turkey to the mission ensuring that a family will have one for Thanksgiving. Ready to help the cause? Donate online at denverrescuemission.org. Change happens here. 
Hey, it's Angie. Do you have dreams and goals that you really want to reach and you don't know how to reach them? You feel lost, like you don't have a roadmap to your dreams? Do you need like a big jolt of coffee? Well, that's Carrie Conley. She has a big event coming up and every year I go and it helps me reach my goals. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how you doing? Yes, very, very excited about the event. It's called Vision is Victory. It's the third annual. It's in January uh, 2016, the 14th through the 16th in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll be beautiful. And I'll be there. You'll be there. Tickets are very reasonable right now. Great excuse to get away from Colorado in the cold winter months. And you really teach us um, every single step we have to take to take what we want in life and actually put it into actionable steps and reach our goals. That's right. I want people walking out knowing exactly what to do and how to get there. And in three days, we learn that. You do. I And did. meet some really awesome people and have a lot of fun. It is a blast. And I learn so much every year that I go. All right, Carrie Conley, how do we reach you? InfiniteNation.com. InfiniteNation.com. Hi, it's Angie Austin. Have you ever thought about mentoring someone? Well, guess what? We need you. The Denver Rescue Mission needs mentors for kids and adults. Hello, Alexa with the Denver Rescue Mission. So how can we help you? Uh, you can sign up to be a mentor for a child or an adult, um, people who are um, in one of the Denver Rescue Mission programs. Um, and you basically sign up at denverrescuemission.org. And for mentoring, there's a little bit more involved. You may have to do a background check in some of those things. But it's a, a few times a month commitment. And you can spend, you know, an hour or so with a kiddo or an adult and really pour into their lives a little bit when they've come from some some situations in their lives and just be a friend. Yeah, be a friend. And you've been mentoring someone and you find mentoring that young gal very satisfying. I do. I'm mentoring a 14-year-old girl and it's been just a blast. So I really encourage you to, you know, look into it. And give us your website again. DenverRescueMission.org. 810-KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. Well, I'm so excited to have one of my friends on the show. He's become my friend over the radio, and I'd read his books. I started reading them years ago, the U books. Dr. Roizen, Dr. Michael Roizen, is an American anesthesiologist and internist, and he's an award-winning author. He and Dr. Oz of Dr. Oz Show fame have written several books together, numerous, I should say, and he's the chief wellness officer at the Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Roizen, today we're going to talk about your new book. Angie, it's a privilege. And the new book is This Is Your Do-Over. In the This Is Your Do-Over, you teach us the seven secrets to losing weight, living longer, and getting a second chance at the life we want. Exactly. I want to go, go through. I, I want to go through all of that, um, and I want to get those. But you know, since I've interviewed you, we always stick completely to the newest research and what's going on health wise. But I'm kind of interested because I think you're exceptionally bright, and I am wondering how you got started with this passion that you have for health and longevity. Because I'm just going to throw it out there: people Google you and they look at your image. I thought you were maybe 48 to 54 in that range, and when I found out that you're more towards 70. I was like, this, this, this doctor knows what he's talking about, Dr. Royson, because you're living this. Um, I do live it, and uh, it actually didn't come from that. I changed my behavior um, and my behaviors and my habits because of the data in the literature that I started looking at when a patient challenged me. So, as you know, one of the things... Um, I love doing is caring for patients, and I learn an awful lot from them. So this was actually a, I was chair of anesthesia, of cardiovascular anesthesia at UC San Francisco, 
And then uh, I went and became chair of anesthesia, critical care, and pain management at the University of Chicago. And one of those patients um, got me to thinking early on in 19, this is, tells you how old I am, in 1979, I was uh, beginning to run. It was my first year running the section on cardiovascular anesthesia at the University of California in San Francisco. University of California Medical School in San Francisco. And uh, the patient got me to thinking about what causes the difference in complication rates and mortality after aortic valve and cardiac surgery. And when you looked at it, it was a threefold increase in complication rates every 10 years older. So if you were 50 and had a valve repair, surgical valve repair, you had one-ninth the complication rates or risk of dying as someone who was 70. Okay. So I said our job as anesthesiologists, internists, and, and uh, intensivists, I did. I was both trained as an anesthesiologist and an internist. So my, in that era, they were, that's how intensivists were trained or people who took care of intensive care medicine. So I said, our job in preparing the patient for surgery is sicker than heck if they need an aortic valve replaced or mm-hmm. micro valve. But our job is to make them 10 years older in the two weeks surrounding their surgery. That is, could you make a 60-year-old the equivalent of 50? Wow. And in thinking about that, I started to learn about what is associated with aging. And the amazing thing is in that next period of time, we were able to do that. Then a, a, a literally a, another patient, um, and you'll see there are three patients, so that was the first one. The second one was a gentleman who was having a uh, operation, again, on his vascular system in 1986. And then I know the date exactly because it's so it changed my life so dramatically. He came to me and said, uh, what's my risk of surgery, doc? My surgeon says, I don't have much risk because I'm only 49. And so I said, Simon, if you were only 49, you wouldn't have much risk. But you're smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, which is what he was doing, makes you the equivalent of eight years older or 57. And he said, I can't be. I said, why not? And he said, because no man in my family has lived past the 57th birthday, meaning they've lived to almost the 58, but no one's lived to 58. My brother died at age 57. My uncle died at age 57. I have a cousin who died at age 55. And I have a birthday in 17 days, on April 17th, he said. And so I can't be 57 now because I would die in 18 days. So I said, well, the great news is you can get younger. I was just thinking quickly. I didn't know this um, long term. I said, if you stop smoking now, you get one year younger. And and all I had was the data from one Linus Pauling study done on World War II veterans, which is all the data that was really available on smoking cessation in 1986. I said, you get one year younger and two months, two years younger, five months, three years younger and eight months. So you can be under the age of 57 for the next um, eight or nine years. Maybe you can even do other things to get younger like we do in the immediate perioperative period. 
and stay younger. Yeah. And so he, to my surprise, he quit smoking that day wow. and hasn't since. And in fact, he, and one of the interesting things is uh, he um, gives me a gift on his birthday every year because um, he's living another year. And I think he is now um, 79. So he's um, lived longer than any other man in his family by 20 years. Um, actually, let's see, he was 49 in 1985. So, in 19, yeah, so he's lived 30 years past that, so he's 79 this year. Whoa. Uh, that's right, seven, it'll be 80 this year on, on April 17th. Well, that must be rather right. satisfying as a doctor. Oh, it's great. But what it did is I started using that technique. You can get younger to motivate patients in the immediate perioperative period. And all I had was data on two things, smoking and blood pressure. I went back in the literature and looked, and that's all we had. Um, if you change those habits at that time in 19, that's all I thought we had anyway. And then in 1993, um, so I was using that in, I ran the department, but I did one day a free operative clinic to see if I could motivate behavior change, and that's how I was doing it. And in 1993, I said that to another guy, and he said, show me the data. And he, it turns out, I know him pretty well since then, um, and he was a physics major in college, so he wanted the data. He was a businessman at that time. Um, and so I showed him the data on blood pressure. I said, Mr. R, you're not taking the blood pressure pills the way you should, and your blood pressure is 140 over 90, and that makes you five years older than if your blood pressure was 130 over 80, and nine years older than if your blood pressure was 115 over 75. So he said, show me the data. Wow. Um, so I showed him the data, and he said, how many other things in medicine can you do that for? And I said, why do you want to know? He said, because this is really powerful. What you told me is that I will live younger with the vitality of someone who's younger, rather than feel tired and old all the time, um, as I'm feeling now, um, because um, I'm not managing my blood pressure. That's what you're saying to me. I said, that's right. You literally make your blood vessels younger, and that, we think, correlates with your energy level. Uh-huh. And he says, okay, how many, other things, how many other things in medicine can you do this for? And I said, I don't know, but I know a guy at... Um, and he said, then he, I, sorry, he then said, how much will it cost me to find out how many other things in medicine you can do this for? And I said, I don't know, but I know a guy at Stanford who runs a health risk assessment program. I know a guy at uh, Hopkins who does it. I know the guy who runs the Carter Center um, at the CDC, which is health risk assessment. And then all we need is an economic statistician because this is the net presence and value of health changes the way economists do net present value uh, um, investments. And he said, uh, do you have that guy? I said, yeah, the guy here, um, Gary Becker, is, was at the University of Chicago, where was he won the Nobel Prize for it last year, wow. two years ago. Well, that's kind of handy. Said, uh, yes, and he said, uh, okay, how much will it cost me? And I said, well, um, you know, we get all of them together for two meetings in Chicago, which is where I was at the University of Chicago and uh, some uh, research associate time, I said probably uh, $25,000. Wow. 
and this was 1993, and he said, to my surprise, he reached into his pocket, pulled out a checkbook, wrote me a check for $25,000, and said, get started. Um, I want the answer in 10 weeks. Um, you don't have that very often from a patient. Yeah, I would think uh, so. If you will. So, um, and we came back in, <laughs> we did the two meetings, we came back in about uh, three months, not or three and a half months, not 10 weeks, and uh, we said, you could do this for between 60 and 80 things. That is, there was enough data to do the analysis and to do the complex analysis. And he said, well, where's the data? We gave him a list of the things. He said, where's the data? And I said, that's much more expensive because you've got to do interactions. So if you walk, you lower your blood pressure. You lower your LDL cholesterol level. But we've got to get walking independent as a separate factor so that we can measure blood pressure and cholesterol and that they're separate factors because they're influenced by other things. Right. And he said, okay, how much will that cost? And I said, you know, it's much more expensive. It's probably... You know, 900,000 to a million and a half. Um, we now knew his net worth, if you will, from the uh, philanthropy department at the University of Chicago doing this research. <laughs> and, and so um, he pulled out his checkbook again, wrote a check for $50,000 and said, get started, I'll help you raise the rest of the money. And that turned into real age. And when you start to find out how powerful the data is, so the data on red meat, causing, um, uh, promoting breast cancer, promoting colon cancer, being associated with um, prostate cancer, being associated with causing premature death, causing type 2 diabetes. The data was so powerful that when we started analyzing it in 1994, that's the last time I've had any red meat. And the same thing you go through. Wait, wait, wait. What did you just say? When was the last time you had red meat? Um, Well... I had about two ounces in 2000 and probably uh, six when I was a guest at a famous uh, person's house and all she cooked was Keith uh, tenderloin. Um, I mean, it was, she, she wasn't into this yet, if you will. And so uh, I had about two ounces and, and a lot of vegetables around it, if you will. Um, but that's the last, so the last time I knowingly have had any red meat was uh, other than that one time with about 1994. And even, um, I just want to ask one quick question. Even grass-fed beef, Dr. Royzen? Yeah, the problem, we didn't know what the issue was, the mechanism. We often don't know mechanisms when we know something is associated with premature aging or premature disease. But we do know that that thing is associated with it. Um, so we do know, um, how, do I, how do I say this? We do know that red meat had a very strong association with dying about three to four years earlier and with some cancers that were prevalent in my family. So I had a family history yes, yes. of colon cancer. So I said, look, red meat is a very strong correlate of colon cancer. I should change this immediately because of my own familiar risk factors. Yeah, so yeah. what we do as physicians, and, and I've I told you, and what we do is you relate it to not only your genetics through your family history, um, 
but because that's all we had at that time, remember the Human Genome Project wasn't done for another eight or nine years. Um, but we had that strong preponderance. I knew that I had colon cancer. I knew that red meat was a strong correlate of colon cancer, of prostate cancer, of heart disease, um, and of type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. So when you read the data, it was so strong, and there was so much of the data. Wow. Then I said, um, I should definitely change that behavior. And so that's why in 1994, I changed that behavior. In any case, um, what happened is we... um, and through a set of fortuitous things, we then we remember the the internet was just coming of age in this period. So we had the data done in 1997 or eight. We had it to a pretty good area, and you have to do it's a complex analysis because you have to not only do what is the direct effect of red meat and of changing it. So you have to find studies where people who were eating red meat changed it, and what and another group that were eating red meat that were the same other characteristics and kept going on, and what's the difference in that age of getting disease and of the age of dying and of getting disability. So we did the real age based on your risk of disability and of death, and um, then we were going to put it on a CD. You know, that was what was um, selling CDs. And then, of course, the Internet came. And but very few people in in 1998 nine you know it was AOL and dial up if you will right right um, and I've got a great story about that so we put it on the on the web in December I think it was December eighth 1998 and tested it and then the book Real Age Are You As Young As You Could Be was coming out um, I think it was March second uh, 1999. And as it turns out, Oprah had us on the show, I think it was February 23rd, 1999. Well, it turned out we um, we got more hits on our website wow. that day, um, or tempted hits, than AOL did. Wow. Um, so o- that is, Oprah started... There were, there were other dialogues. I think there was a Sears project. I can't remember. There were, there were three or four, if you will, systems, AOL being the most popular. But we actually, we crashed eight different servers that day for real um, age are you as young as you can be right and if you still you can still go to realage.com and find it it's a, now it's over 65 million people have done the full real age test a hundred thousand new people do it every week um and, and so, so oprah um, oprah oprah and i apologize we're on um, dr roisin's on our phone so sometimes i step on him um so Do- Oprah really helped launch you and Dr. Oz, and then your books, you've co-offered a lot lot together, and I brought you on today to kind of get your background and your passion for health. It's fascinating to hear about these three patients. And then in This Is Your Do-Over, your book, the new one, The Seven Secrets to Losing Weight, Living Longer, and Getting a Second Chance, I have to make sure, Dr. Royzen, that in the last few minutes, you can you go through The Seven Secrets real quickly? We just have a few, like about four minutes left. Sure. So... Um, so what this this book is is we have over um, we have literally in the first um, group of patients we've studied them over a million people and what did they change when they changed their behavior so for those people who went to real age and changed their and then subsequently went back 
and change their behavior. We now have more than 18 million who have gotten younger, but we looked wow. at the first million, and that's really what's in the book. And what it is is, is the, the secret of all the secrets is, and that's why the website is titled that, is Get a Body. No one can do it alone, it turns out. So there's so many things to do and such difficulty to get above our reptilian brains, you need a buddy. So the website you go to is sharecare, S-H-A-R-E-C-A-R-E.com, backslash body match, because people can match with a buddy if they don't have one locally. And we go through the criteria for getting a buddy and what it is. And then the other, the other secrets are the things they did that transformed them most. So clearly, um, one of them is getting and just starting with getting two pedometers. So you're never without one. Many of the cell phones, smartphones have them in the Nile, but it is recording your steps every day and reporting it to your buddy. So it is the, the key thing, friends with benefits. The benefits are that buddy keeps you on the straight and narrow. You report to them, accountable to them, how to choose that person is in the book. Then it is most that is just walking and then the other three components of physical activity we go through going on a Mediterranean diet how do you do that with great taste and what you avoid you avoid the five food balance then it is how to substitute for an addiction because you can't break an addiction unless you get another addiction but the other addiction should be a healthy one we talk about how your brain is wired to do that so we go through both the science and as you know we do it in a fun way then how to manage stress and the eight different techniques for managing stress and how to put it in, how to keep loving your life, what's important about both your blood flow, that is how to have great sex life and how to have great relationships. And then what are you passionate about? So the seven thing is find your passion and purpose in life. So those are the, the seven secrets that we go through and this is your do-over and go through both some of the science, but especially how to do it for yourself and with your body. Love it. Oh, we're out of time. We used up every second, Dr. Royzen. I love all your knowledge. I love your wisdom in the health and wellness field. This is your do-over, the seven secrets to losing weight, living longer, and getting a second chance, Dr. Royzen. Uh, give us the uh, buddy website again. It is sharecare.com backslash buddy match. Buddy match. Got it. All right. Thank you, Dr. Royzen. Thank you, Angie. We'll be right back with the good news. Music to make your heart smile. 810 KLVZ. The holidays can feel hopeless for those who are homeless and can't afford those delicious holiday meals. Because of this, the Denver Rescue Mission provides a hearty Thanksgiving meal to those who aren't lucky enough to have one. That meal includes, of course, a turkey. To provide for those in need, the Denver Rescue Mission needs your help. They're able to provide these turkeys only through your generous donations. You can bring your donation of a frozen turkey to the Lawrence Street Shelter, or you can donate the amount of a turkey. The average turkey is between $15 and $20. By donating, you give hope to those who never thought they would be able to enjoy another Thanksgiving dinner. For more information on how you can help this holiday season, go to denverrescuemission.org. Denver Rescue Mission changes lives in the name of Christ. 
Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just, I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hello, it's your pal Angie Austin. You know, I have to tell you, if you enjoy the good news, I would love your support. I would love to team up with you, to partner with you, and help you grow your business or your nonprofit. And also, you could support the good news at the same time. I know all of my sponsors personally. I really enjoy working with these advertisers because we have friendships as well as a business relationship. This show means the world to me. I have a passion for sharing good news, and I have a passion for my faith, and I would also have a passion for you and, and building your business as well. You can reach me at angieaustinnews at gmail.com, angieaustinnews at gmail.com. I'd love to work with you. 810 KLVZ, where love lives. Welcome back to the good news. Well, you probably had a friend or relative with cancer, and that's certainly not good news, but we have a little help. Many of us have heard about the unpleasant side effects of chemotherapy, but did you know that many patients are suffering from side effects unnecessarily? Well, here to help us is uh, Dr. Scott Sufji, and also we have someone who's dealt with this whole cancer process. And Mary, you, Mary Van Dyke, let's talk about your experience, because I know there have been some survey results that say we could make this experience a little less... uh, uh, unpleasant for you than maybe it was. So what did you go through? Well, I was diagnosed a year ago with ovarian cancer and was very fortunate to have the best care from a wonderful health care team that included a pharmacist along with my oncologist oh. and nurses. So I was very fortunate to be in that place when I experienced CIND after receiving chemotherapy, it wouldn't come on until about the fourth day after receiving the chemotherapy. And in the beginning, I just thought I would suffer in silence and not speak up. And, you know, there was the trust factor until I really was given a chance with my pharmacist to ask those important questions that helped me you know, prevent those side effects from happening. And Scott, talk about CINV. I mean, a lot of us hear about the nausea and the, that horrible experience. And to me, that that feeling of being nauseous, and I only had it with, you know, morning sickness when I was pregnant, I think it's one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. And I can imagine in chemo, it's even worse. Uh, absolutely. In fact, in, in several studies, uh, that nausea feeling is the number one feared side effects by patients. Uh-huh. Uh, anticipating chemotherapy. Uh, Vomiting is actually the number three most feared side effect. Uh, And then what we're finding and what our study found was that many people like Mary are suffering in silence. 
over the last 30 years, there's been multiple classes of drugs that have been developed that allows us to put together a protocol that in many cases can prevent uh, CINV. Interesting. Okay. And so let's say you are a patient and you are experiencing the nausea as you did initially, Mary, then do we ask to have a, a pharmacist brought into our treatment team or do we ask to speak with one? How would you handle that? Well, I, on my team, I had a, a pharmacist that met with me every week. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, she would show up in treatment. Right. You were um, lucky, but many know, people, I think, don't have I, I that was. kind of team. Yeah. There's, yeah, actually, I, there's actually more pharmacists in uh, oncology clinics than people realize. Uh-huh. One of the things that the Hematology Oncology Pharmacy Association is trying to get the word out is if there's a pharmacist in your clinic, ask for them because many times they can help you. Now, I understand there's some survey results that you can share with us that may further educate us on this topic. Yes, there is. So um, the Hematology and Oncology Pharmacy Association, in association with ASI, uh, and the study was actually conducted by Wakefield Research. They actually helped us. Uh, we reached out to 400 cancer patients that were receiving chemotherapy, and we asked them about their experiences with uh, the nausea and vomiting associated with the chemo. Um, 83% of the patients said that that was something they thought they had to live with. Uh, very much like Mary said, they were li- they were suffering in silence. Um, the th- other things that we found very interesting is 95% said that the nausea and vomiting had affected their daily activities. Yeah. They canceled personal plans. They changed eating habits. Uh, 38% of people even called in to work or called out sick to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the most the most the most frightening thing was that three out of four patients actually said that they were considering avoiding future cancer treatments because of their nausea and vomiting. And that to us is really scary. That is really scary. Well, I want to make sure that people can get more information if they want to look into this more. Where do they go? So the the survey results and some talking points are actually available on a website that ASI and HOPA have put together. Uh, that website is Time to Talk CINV, all squished together. Uh, so Time to Talk CINV.com. It can also be found on the HOPA website, which is HOPA, H O P A R X dot O R G. Excellent. Well, thank you, Scott and Mary, so much for, uh, you know, helping us this morning to better understand this topic and hopefully help, you know, some either ourselves or friends or loved ones. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.